The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is April 3rd. Happy opening day to everybody. I uh, hope you guys, if you're going out, you're listening to the podcast before you do so. Uh, we appreciate all the love and support that you are showing to this podcast. So hopefully you're giving it a listen before you get going on the opening day festivities. We have a great show today. We are going to talk about the Bucks having a signature win tonight. Does that matter in the grand scheme of things? We'll dive into it. We'll give reasons why, reasons why not. We'll also talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why this weekend provided optimism with the young guns. We will then talk a little bit about if Aaron Rodgers is the new Joe Montana. It's not the way you think it is because Aaron Rodgers obviously does not have the rings that Montana does. And that will be today's show. Maybe a little bit on opening day. At the very end, I have an annual take that I will bust out for the people. Uh, I feel like I have a few of those throughout the year where I'm just like, it's like a reminder. It's like, hey, just by the way, here's how I feel. Uh, it's, it's a lot like during the foot, uh, college football season where I am a Badger football fan and that drives a lot of Marquette fans crazy. And I know the rivalry and I talk about it, but yeah, it's the annual take. So I'll figure out a maybe a segment for that. But I have one for baseball and it specifically relates to opening day. So I will drop that for the people later in today's show. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder to follow along on social media, Tabitha Keg on Twitter, Tabitha Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you are already subscribed or dropping us in the group chats. Uh, Bucks fans, Brewers fans, Packer fans, whoever you feel like would enjoy this podcast, make sure you're telling them about us. You're obviously doing that that work. This was the most, March was the most listened month in the last 12. So I really appreciate it. Uh, it's really been a lot. It's been awesome. Uh, the response has been great recently and really means a ton to me. Uh, it just shows you, you know, if you keep going, you keep doing shit, it, it works out and it'll only get better. And it only drives me to do more and to be more, you know, involved and in trying to get things like guests and do fun segments and have more fun with the show. That's what we're all about. So more to come. Stay tuned. Uh, I do want to get us to Tabby the Keg, Wisconsin. I need to do a little research and say, are we sure we're not a beer company if uh, we're just Tabby the Keg, Wisconsin and there isn't any sports on? If you have any thoughts on that, you want to reach out, uh, DM me, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, or you could just ha- you reply to me on something. I will, I will definitely respond and, and I would love to hear some thoughts. All right. I've done enough talking about myself. Let's get into the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks had an awful Thursday night. We went through it on Friday's pod. It was maybe a little bit a panic button for Bucks fans. I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say like everybody was freaking out. But I think people were worried that the Bucks couldn't do something against a good team. Mitch has been banging this drum for a long time. Uh, my partner uh, on Tabby the Keg has said all year that the Bucks really don't have a signature win. The Bucs would have that one win against a fully healthy team where you can point to and say, all right, that's when the Bucs not only won the game, they looked great doing it, and this is the best version of themselves. Now, I think sometimes the NBA limits you from having those opportunities, right? We saw it with the back-to-back stuff against Denver. We saw it with the back-to-back stuff against Boston, which five games in seven nights. We saw it with you know different examples of other teams, right? Uh, Kawhi Leonard didn't play on a back-to-back the second time they played the Clippers. I'd argue also that Clippers win the first time was a signature win. I'd argue that both Suns wins were signature wins, even though Kevin Durant wasn't involved. 
Chris Paul and Devin Booker were. I, I don't know. I, I think there are more signature wins than we make it out. But I understand the people like Mitch who said, well, we haven't seen it against one of the best teams in the NBA uh, with a fully healthy roster. And we saw it tonight against Philadelphia. And Milwaukee took care of business from the start. They jumped out early, and they really never looked back. Yeah, they had a little bit of a moment in the third quarter where Philly started to creep back. But after Embiid got his fourth foul and Doc took him out of the game, the Bucks took full advantage, and they put the pedal to the metal. As my guy Jimmy said on Twitter, like the Sixers played a very good quarter, and they were down 16, only to be down 14 at the end of the third quarter, which was wild because... In that third quarter, it really looked like the Sixers were going to make this a basketball game. That we were actually going to have a real sort of down-the-wire thing. And then the Sixers didn't started not hitting shots. The Bucs started hitting shots, and there you have it. It's It was pretty simple. And Milwaukee gets a very big victory, in my opinion. And I also saw, I think his name is MK Robert on Twitter. I don't follow him. Apologies. I just retweeted in my feed a few times. But he said... That was a win maybe more for the fans than it was for the team. And that's the part where I asked, does the signature win matter? I, I think it does in a, in a couple ways. I think it matters in the fa- in, for the fans first and foremost. Like I, I think one of those soothing sort of moments, right? It's like taking an edible. It's like, you know, like cracking that first beer on Friday night after you'd got done with a long week of work. It's sort of that relaxation. Because Bucks fans can feel at ease a little bit that they've seen their team do it against a top team with all their guys versus all the other guys. And I think that matters to some fans. Did it matter to me? Not really, because I've seen what the Bucks can do in fourth quarters. I can see what they've they've done against some of the better teams, even when they're not at full strength. I've seen the Bucks look good in different capacities and different styles of games. I feel I have utmost confidence in the Milwaukee Bucks. Did the Celtics game make me waver a little bit? Yeah, it definitely it put a little concern that there might not be a guy that can guard Jason Tatum on the Bucks. Like that was the one thing I thought about where I was like, I don't know if we really have an answer for Jason Tatum. Even though we have a bunch of guys to throw at him, I don't know if anybody any of them can stop him. Maybe just Giannis. But we all know that Bud doesn't want to use Giannis on defense because he exerts a ton of energy on that side and then you lose it lose out on offense. But maybe the Bucs have something, and they, it's very possible they sandbagged that Thursday night. That they didn't want to show anything. They were very vanilla. I, I felt like they weren't as vanilla against Philadelphia, but maybe that's because the Bucs know they're not playing Philadelphia. Know that Philadelphia has to get through Boston, and they feel like Boston's going to be the team they see the Eastern Conference Finals. So maybe that's why they went vanilla, and that led to the Bucks struggling against Boston because they didn't want to show too much. Now you can say, well, that's loser talk. That's like biased fan, like sand, had, your head in the sand, carrying water, whatever other insults you want to throw at me. But it, it is just interesting to wonder how this team can look this good tonight and that bad on Thursday. Is it really just a couple days of rest? And if it is just a couple days of rest, well, then that's trouble for the league in the playoffs. If this is what the well-rusted Bucks look like, then the league's in trouble because you usually have anywhere from two to four nights off in between games. So that is going to benefit this Bucks team. And I think we saw it tonight. And so in the sense of mattering from a signature win perspective, yes, the fans get, the I think, the most joy out of it. I think for the Bucks, 
it matters in the sense that the last two games against the Sixers did not work out the way they wanted to. The last two were really tough, right? They they lost down the stretch at Philadelphia uh, in November. That was the infamous ladder game. There was kind of back and forth, you know, most of that game, and then Philadelphia was able to pull away late and beat the Bucs. Then in the game against uh, Milwaukee in February, or on March, excuse me, Bucks had a large lead. They gave them 49 points in the fourth quarter and blew that game. And I felt like that was when the Bucks let slip through, and that was when the signature win talk started to happen. And the Bucks were able to win that, you know, win tonight, and then they lost that one. So that, to me, I think is important. Like, I think that part, you know, carries, carries some weight that they're able to beat Philadelphia. They know they can't. And if Philadelphia was able to come back again on the Bucks, I think there would be a sense that maybe Philadelphia, you know, has the Bucks number. But I think it's this is what I've I've expected against Philadelphia uh, that the Bucks are able to throw a bunch at the Sixers, which is exactly what they did, and that they're able to sort of have their way. Uh, there was no answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo at all. In this game, I thought Chris Middleton did a really good job in the first half against Joel Embiid. He kind of disappeared in the second half. It was a very classic mids game where you really see Middleton for one half. You don't really see him for another half. Uh, Bobby Portis, I thought, was fantastic in this basketball game. Uh, he really, to me, this is the Bobby that I know and love. He played great tonight. Uh, deserves a ton of credit, too. So in, in the category of, to go back to the topic a little bit, of does the signature matter, the arguments against it are it's the regular season. The Bucs are trying to get the one seed. All these games are important. Um, all these games carry some weight of significance, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that like the Bucs are going to get a better seed. It's not the NCAA tournament, right? The, just because the Bucs today got a quad one win doesn't mean that they're going to get a number one seed at the selection show. And that it really is more about, you know, just getting – getting back on track, making sure that you're able to keep pace with Boston. Now you have a two-game lead against the Celtics. I believe both teams will be playing on Tuesday night uh, because everybody takes a night off for the NCAA tournament, which is still a cool thing that the NBA does. I really like that, really respect that. I think that's that, to me, is a show of respect, right? Like, I used to like when baseball would be the only thing on Sunday nights. And then Roger Goodell's like, you know how much fucking money we can make on Thursday on Sunday night football? Uh, we're definitely doing that. I think I said Thursday. I meant Sunday. But, yeah, there are, world, there are football games on during World Series games. Like, it's – it's which sucks. I, I, I don't like that. I, I feel like I like the fact that the main event is the sport where a championship is being, being, being held and being involved. Like, I haven't thought about it today because it was a pretty good NBA slate, right? You had what Warriors, Nuggets, and Jokic didn't play. Nuggets still won that game. You had the Mavs-Hawks game, which Luka Trey, but, like, those two teams right now are about as dramatic as Vanderpump rules. And then you obviously have Bucks Sixers. Like, why wouldn't you, if you were the NBA and the ABC, ESPN, who have the rights to the women's game, and the women women's basketball very popular has been been kind of growing as a sport uh, recently with Caitlin Clark, with Paige Brockers, Angel Reese. I mean, they they all have sort of grown. Uh, Elijah Boston, who was on South Carolina, like they're notable names, I think, in the sports world, the sports sphere. 
And why wouldn't you have done like a triple header or a, quad he- a quadruple header and said, all right, we're going to have an NBA game leading into the women's game. And then after the women's game, if it was 2.30, we we're then going to have a NBA game on after it and then another NBA game to close it out. And you could have done all four of those games. Or you could have done it where the NBA played during the day and it was a lead into the women's final four at night. Uh, I thought it was weird that the game was on the middle of the afternoon, but I think the ratings are going to be great for it. So it's just one of those weird ideas that I put back to the maybe insignificance of the signature win. I, I think that there are always key moments in the in the season, right? And even if one win against like a beat up Lakers team or something like that, where you look at it and you're like, okay, this random win might not mean much on paper. But if you think about the significance, there actually was more and maybe it matters more. And we're just not seeing sort of the clearer picture on it. I'm trying to think of a good example of that if, through the Bucs season. If we look at the lens of not necessarily the team they played, but when they were able to get victories. I'm trying to think here if there's any good ones. I think the Minnesota win is a good one. The Minnesota win uh, on Friday, December the 30th. The Bucs had lost four straight games. They were 22-12. and 12. Uh, They were leaking a little bit of oil. Actually, they were, let's see, they had lost one, two, three. Three, four, five, six. They lost six of eight at that point. And then they come up and they beat Minnesota. They then would, would lose to Washington the next night. They rested everybody. But still, they were able to kind of get, you know, steady the tide, right? You could use that as a potential example of, okay, that's a really important bounce back. Or the fact after they had lost to Charlotte, and if you remember, they had blown a lead at Toronto. They were able to win that game, but that was very dicey, right? And they come back from 17 down in New York and beat the Knicks. Then the next night, they're able to beat Atlanta. Now, Giannis would get hurt against Miami, or he would not play the two Miami games because of knee soreness. Giannis would then sit out for a little while. They were able to beat Indiana and come back, they were down 10 at halftime, and then beat Toronto the next night without Giannis Antetokounmpo you know, playing in those games. Chris Middleton's still out with injury. So I think those, like, those are moments, right, where those aren't good teams that they beat. Knicks, yeah, good. But like those are seminal sort of like, okay, this is a huge development. This is a huge sort of, all right, the Bucs are sort of picking up speed, right? Uh, another example of this, I think that LA win we, we talked about where they came back and they beat them and Giannis had 54 and 19 that game. And that sort of propelled them sweeping the West coast trip where they beat Portland, LA and both LA teams coming back home and beating Boston, even though Boston did not have their full roster still th- that shit mattered, you know? And like, I think that's the type of things where, you just really have to pay a little more attention to some of this stuff. And I'm I'm not trying to be condescending to like Mitch, who was really adamant about the signature wins, but it's more of like, I think you just have to look at it at a larger scope. And I fall a little, of course, as I always do with a lot of this stuff, I fall a little bit in between. I think that it's, it's a good thing to have to know that the Bucks can do this. But I also think like those moments matter as well. So I I think it's a combination of the two. 
But I'm really happy the Bucks won because if they didn't, I think there would have been a lot of negativity swirling around this Bucks team today. And that's not happening. And the vibes are high, and everyone will carry those into opening day if they're going, or just watching at home while they work, or or listening while they work, whatever it may be. Uh, but things things are good here for the Bucks in the final week of the season. Now they just have to finish and get that one seed. They are very close. They have a couple more games to do it uh, with the game at, at Washington, uh, their second to last road trip before heading home to play Chicago and then Memphis and then another one against Toronto. So four left, up two games. Boston, for those wondering, plays. Here's the Celtics got. Celtics have Philadelphia um, on Tuesday, and I think that game matters a little more in Philadelphia. Be an interesting one. Two at home against Toronto, who's trying to make sure that they are either the nine or the eight seed, trying to maybe get into that eight seed spot. And then Atlanta, who's also trying to get the eight seed. So they have four, team, four games against teams where it still matters. And Milwaukee kind of has the same except for Washington. They do get that benefit. And I really, really hope they don't play with their food. I don't think they will. Um, and let's let's just hope the one seed is still in the sights and the signature win has now been secured. All right, we're doing something a little bit different with Golden Kegs before we move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Golden Kegs are now going to be a weekly thing uh, for the Bucs. They're going for the Brewers. It's going to be every series. So we will always have it on Monday for the Brewers because most series end on Sunday. So we'll always have a Monday Golden Kegs to wrap up the weekend for the Brewers. Uh, but we'll also have it for the Bucs. And it'll be just a Golden Kegs fest. We can only we can almost just do a whole podcast on Golden Kegs. But we will run through it quick, and it's more wrapping up the week than it is, you know, looking at game to game. I think it'll be a better sum summarization of what happened last week for the Milwaukee Bucks instead of game to game, where we don't we aren't able to talk about every game. We're not doing pods after every every Bucks uh, Bucks outing. So five kegs for the week goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Giannis was really good in the game against Philadelphia, thirty three points on seventeen. Field goals, he also had a triple-double against Indiana. Uh, was extremely impressive in that game, even though Drew Holiday was the highlight. Giannis Antetokounmpo having that triple-double was really, really fucking good uh, in a short manner of time, too. He was in full control of his game. But I think the Philadelphia stuff really stands out. He was the, more the MVP candidate in that game against Embiid. I felt like he took control from the get-go and was that guy. Four kegs, Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew was incredible in the game against Indiana. 51 points, a career high for Drew Holiday. He played well in this one as well, 18 points. Uh, and with the defense on James Harden was great. Uh, Holiday was really locked in on both ends of the court, and he didn't let his offense suffer, which is a very key point as we head to the playoffs. Will Holiday be able to balance that? And I think that's a huge question, you know, going into the playoffs. I think we don't have to worry about it as much in, in round one. I think rounds two through the finals, it's definitely going to be a concern. I mentioned Bobby Portis' good game. Bobby uh, on uh, – I mentioned Bobby's good game on Sunday night, uh, but Bobby had a really good week. Uh, he's at three kegs, but I don't think that's like a negative towards Bobby because uh, he was really good in the, in the in the Detroit game. I thought the Detroit game, you know, it was underrated. It was all about kind of Brooke and Chris who played well in that game, but I, I felt like it was 
disregarded on what Bobby did. You know, coming into the starting role, 24 and 14, another double-double. I had a solid game against Indiana. Uh, he got kind of caught with a couple of fouls here and there, but was really, really good in those Detroit and Philadelphia games this week. And Bobby's really rounding in the form. I don't think he's the sixth man of the year. His defense, to me, isn't there. If we're going to be critical of Jokic and Embiid at times for defense, we have to be critical of Bobby if we're talking about awards. And I don't think he's as good of a two-way player to deserve that that honor. Uh, but, yeah, I'm giving the three kegs to Bobby. Uh, two kegs, Pat Connaughton. Man, oh, man, it, how mighty have fallen. Pat Connaughton did not play in this game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, it's pretty clear that Pat is out of the rotation. He's really struggled. Uh, he struggled all week. Uh, he really could have been the one keg if not what happened on Thursday night, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, Pat was just brutal. Uh, it was it's, it's bad against Detroit. It was bad against Indiana. It was he didn't play today. Uh, definitely could have been a one keg, but he feels the two keg need, and then one keg the entire Thursday game. I mean that was just a complete clusterfuck. We don't need to talk too much more about it. If you want to hear more, we did talk about it on Friday. Just sort of recapping it all. If you were, if you missed it, if you're out, uh, but yeah, it's uh, man that Thursday one. I hope I, we never really have to go through that again this season. I, I do think the Bucks have a few clunkers in them every year. I think every NBA team, any MLB team, you really don't want it with the NFL because you only have 17 games. But yeah, teams will get blown out every now and again in the NFL too. Uh, so yeah, Thursday was a complete disaster. And yeah, I do not want to relive that ever again. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers, last time we left you on Friday, uh, things were not great. Uh, they did not play well in, on opening day. It continued on sa Saturday. Now, Brandon Woodruff was solid, uh, really good, actually, on Saturday. We'll talk more about Woodruff in a second. But Brewers still did not do much offensively. And then in the eighth inning, they were able to break through with three runs and take a 3-1 lead over the Chicago Cubs and closed it out. Devin Williams got hit in the arm, gave me a quick panic attack, uh, but Devin was all right. He stayed in there, was able to shut it down, and the Brewers won that game 3-1. And then the bats broke out on Sunday with nine runs in that game, all through you know driving in. There was no home runs hit. Uh, the Brewers still haven't hit a home run through three games, which is absolutely fine with me. Uh, if the Brewers are producing runs like this, they, they don't have to hit a bunch of home runs. They can they can be this team that's doing it on the base base pass, which they were, and it was all about the young guns. Bryce Trang got on base four times in this game. He took a couple walks. He had a double. He had another hit in this game. He had an RBI as well. Uh, Bryce Trang, the early returns are very good. Garrett Mitchell also had two hits. He had a triple uh, that drove in a couple runs. Uh, Mitchell was very solid in this game as well. Uh, Weimer had a, an infield single, and I believe he had a walk as well. Uh, but these these young guys are, are really sort of breathing some life into what the Milwaukee Brewers are doing, and that is just absolute awesome to see. Like that's It's just... It's, it's what you wanted, right? It, it's what you hoped. It's what you thought could be possible. I think it, it, I said on Twitter, maybe a little more mad about 2022 because this is kind of the things that the Phillies were saying where they were like, 
once we brought our young guys in, like it really kind of changed the dynamic of the locker room. It changed, you know, how we wanted to be playing baseball. And I felt like that could have happened with the Brewers. It could have offset some of the Hager, you know, chemistry issues that did, did occur in August and September. But as Mitch pointed out, who I quote tweeted when he talked about the young guys, I, he, they might not have been ready. And you just have to swallow that pill. Like it, it's unfortunate. It's bad timing. But that's very, that's very possible that they, they might not have been, you know, immediately ready. One of the things I was going to bring up today uh, before the game, like stuff, you know, because I'll think about podcast stuff. I wouldn't say all the time, but every, you know, walking the dog or something like that. And I was like, well, you know, really, Garrett Mitchell has to keep producing or South Freelich is going to take his job. And then Mitchell today had, you know, two hits. He had a triple because Freelich has been awesome in, in AAA. Like he, had, he was three for seven in a doubleheader with a couple of base knocks and a few RBIs. And it, it just shows you how bright things are right now for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, with their young guys. And I know they're going to struggle. I know teams will get books on them. They'll start figuring it out. It will not be all rainbows and fucking unicorns because it never is with baseball. But at least this is the kind of optimism I think the fan base needs and wanted, and they got it, right? There's a lot to be excited about. If you watch today's game, it's hard to not say I'm in on this team. Uh, even honestly, Saturday, I know it was, you know, it took them a while to get runs. It was a little frustrating, but even that game, you know, the Brewers never really say, never said that die. Like they never laid down that game just because they were down one, nothing, just because it was absolutely brutal in terms of a weather, weather day, the Brewers still just kept fighting, kept fighting. And then they were able to scrap through runs and it, and as someone pointed out, it wasn't really that great of an inning, like, you know, infield single, and then it was a bunt or it was a missed bunt. Well, Gary Mitchell was trying to bunt someone over and Assad couldn't find the strike zone. He ends up walking him and then they're able to get a couple, you know, runs across and they, it wasn't much. It was Winker and Contreras. The, the shot that Contreras hit was a, a blooping, you know, to right after he scolded two balls that were right at Dansby Swanson. Who, who has now become a new brewer killer overnight. I thought it was funny. I was listening to Tim Allen after the game on Sunday. And Tim Allen was talking about brushbacks and was saying how Swanson needed a brushback. I thought, what the fuck happened? And nothing happened. Tim Allen was just saying, like, you know, sometimes you just need to brush back players and, you know, kind of remind them what's going on. Uh, so, yes, it was uh, it was really, really solid. Oh, yeah, Anderson has single to center. I didn't have an infield single. He singled the center. But, yeah, and Trang had a stolen base. Like, I mean, just all good stuff, man. And it was it, they got it done. And that's that's a huge, huge, you know, thing for the Brewers to have a comeback victory already, to have a game where you have nine runs, but you don't have one single home run. Like, those are big sort of nice, easy, early check marks and builds confidence especially when you have a, a tough schedule, you know, on the horizon with the Mets this week, the Cardinals, uh, you have the Diamondbacks who are a young, fun team who they, you know, obviously starting against the Dodgers, never easy. And then you go to San Diego and you have the hater reunion and that'll be, be a big deal. It'll be a bigger deal in Milwaukee, but it'll still, there'll still be a little bit of those feelings, especially if the Brewers and hater, you know, 
do the dosey dell uh, in one of those games, which they probably will. You know, air's a closer, and they'll be cl- and Brewers play well, Paco, but you know that's that that is very possible. So we'll have to see. We'll also maybe have to get our guys from Divine Sports on uh, to talk. They have a big one tonight uh, with the Aztecs uh, in action against UConn. Uh, but back to the young guys, it, it's it's a lot. It makes it fun. And it, I think it will help bring in some new fans. I think it will help bring back some people who might have been out of the Brewers after all the hater stuff, some of the Adonacio things. Uh, I think that this is this is the type of stuff that can get people excited. And the Brewers did a really good job of pumping these guys up in the, in the spring training. And now that they're producing, they're not just coming in here and they're going over for 5. Like, that's really cool. That's a really important thing. I, I, I do believe that. Like, even if they did struggle early, I mean, you the old tropes would be the same. They'd be like, oh, yeah, they're young guys. They're going to figure it out. And, yeah, maybe even Mitchell, you'd be like, well, Freelix is going to push him. And if, you know, Mitchell, you know, struggles, Freelix should be next man up here. If it's not about service time and it's just about, you know, wanting to play him at a full-time position, then Freelix should get Mitchell's spot. And, you know, not letting it go right now. And it's it's going – they're going to be growing pains, but this is the best-case scenario for the Milwaukee Brewers. You start out 2-1, you play really well, you know, in, in one of those games, and now you face the hated Cardinals – or the Mets, excuse me, you had the Cardinals this weekend. Uh, but still not easy against a New York team that's supposed to be very, very, very good. You will see Max Scherzer on Tuesday night. So, yes. Good start for the crew. Uh, it's always fun to beat the Cubs. That, and that's another thing, I guess, to add before we do Golden Kegs to wrap up the weekend series for the crew. You have you won two out of three against Chicago. You struggled last year against Chicago. Chicago is not a team that you did well against. That was one of the biggest things that bit the Brewers last season were not, not having success against Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati, especially from the months of July August and September, and to be able to, you know, already get a notch on your belt and winning a road series against one of those teams, that's a very nice step forward for the Brewers. So good stuff there. Uh, let's do Golden Kings for the series. So as we just did with the Brewers, it's going to be or uh, the Bucks. Excuse me. We're going to do Golden Kings for three games. We're going to do five to one, best to worst, uh, and it's basically, you know, it could be one game. It could be the culmination, uh, but. To start off, uh, five kegs goes to Brandon Woodruff. I thought out of everybody uh, this weekend, Brandon Woodruff to me had the best performance. Uh, he was great. He had one mistake to Ian Happ, which was a home run. Uh, but other than that, he had allowed three hits. Uh, he had one walk. He had eight strikeouts. He had most of his strikeouts on his changeup. Uh, Brandon Woodruff was dealing uh, in this game. And I've I've long believed in Woodruff. I felt like Woodruff could have a really big year this year. Uh, the Kurt Hogg article about how he kind of found something with his changeup last September drove some excitement. I kind of wish I grabbed his Cy Young odds because I felt like this could be a huge year for Brandon Woodruff. And nothing about Saturday made me feel differently. Also, with the weird nerve thing that happened to him last season that side, sidelined him for, I think it was what, two months. And in that injury or where that nerve, I guess you'd call it a nerve injury, you know, really is affected by the cold and the fact that he was able to go out there, pitch six innings, look dominant, and that not bother him, huge step forward. If the Brewers were to get in the playoffs and were playing in the weather city 
I think one of the things you'd be concerned about is Corbin Burns isn't really that great in the cold. And I don't know what he has to do. I don't know what he has to change about how his approach, but Woodruff certainly that worry would be there with the nerve stuff. And it didn't look like it affected him at all. So that's a really good sign for him. But yeah, to me, no one looked better than Brandon Woodruff this weekend. Four kegs goes to Bryce Trang. I think everybody's in on Trang. I think everybody's in on all the rookies, but Trang to me had such a good weekend. Uh, he was great on, on Sunday, as mentioned. Uh, he also had a hit on Thursday. It was one of the low bright spots about opening day. Also had some really solid defense. Came in late, stole base. Uh, it, it was part of that rally in the eighth inning on Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, good, really good weekend for him. Uh, by the way, uh, him and Joey Weimer are the disgusting brothers of Milwaukee. If you watch Succession, you're familiar with Tom Wabaskans and Greg uh, they that is basically what you're going to see out of those two guys. They are going to just rip through, you know, the mid-20s, you know, right out of college girls. I mean, that they are just going to have a field day. Like, I just swimming in it. Uh, and, and more power to them. But, yeah, Joy, Joy Weimer, Man Rocket, Trang. I wouldn't say as much of a Man Rocket as Weimer, but, I mean, yeah, they're, they're just going to clean up. Uh, and I'm, I'm – I won't say I'm jealous, but you know it's it, it must be nice. Uh, they're they're gonna have some fun. Let's just let's just leave it there before I, I get myself into some some trouble. Three times goes to Jesse Winker. I thought the weekend for Jesse Winker turned out a lot better than opening day. He struck out three times. He had a couple moments of driving runs, uh, and was a brutal first game. Second game, he has the game tying run. Uh, to, you know, kind of get the Brewers back to level at 1-1 on Saturday. And then he had a three RBIs on Sunday and came through with some more big hits. Now, he did have a base running error that wasn't great. Uh, learned this weekend that Jesse Winker is not a fast person. I thought he was had a little bit of speed from my remember him in Cincinnati. I was like, I thought this guy was kind of fast. Uh, he's not. Uh, so, yeah, three tags of Jesse Winker. Uh, still pretty solid returns. Uh, we'll see if he stays in that two spot. I I don't exactly like that with the lack of speed. I, I would probably prefer Adonis there. Uh, but if that's how Council wants to roll, that's how Council wants to roll. You know, Craig Council has never been shy to uh, mismatch his, his lineups a little bit. Uh, every day can be different. Uh, that's why my father calls him the alchemist. And we'll see if anything looks different on with the opening day lineup on Monday. Two kegs, Corbin Burns. I mentioned Corbin Burns' struggle. Uh, I did not really like what I saw from Corbin Burns. I'm not going to freak out about it. It's one start. It's not not the end of the world, but Corbin looked shaky. Uh, didn't look like he really wanted to be out of the cold. Uh, he had four hits allowed, four runs, three walks, and only three strikeouts. Uh, so really tough, tough one for Burns. Um, and you just hope that it's just a blip. Uh, Burns had some struggles you know, at last opening day and then bounce back pretty seamlessly, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not like, again, as I said earlier, not going to put any sort of panic on one bad start. Yeah, the game against Baltimore, then the next time out in Baltimore, he went seven, seven strong, allowed three hits, struck out eight and walked one. It's weird, actually. This is eerie. His stat line last opening day in Chicago as well is eerily similar to the one he had uh, against the Cubs this year. He had five, that was five innings, four runs, three hits, three walks, and four strikeouts. 
So yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just some jitters. Maybe it's the weather. Whatever it is, I'm glad that Burnsy, you know, I I, I don't think that Burnsy's going to completely be a mess this year. Uh, and he'll get a, another opportunity against a very good New York Mets team on Wednesday. So we'll see. We'll see what Burns can do there. Monkey goes to Rowdy Telez. Uh, Rowdy had a four strikeout game against the lefty Justin Steele, who continues to just absolutely throw gas against the crew. Uh, he's been a flamethrower against us. Definitely for a killer. Uh, Rowdy struggled kind of all weekend. I did, I think, end up with a hit and maybe a walk on Sunday. Everybody got a hit on Sunday. So, I mean, that's that's at least encouraging that you saw a little bit of something from Rowdy, but not exactly a sparkling week for Telez. Uh, yeah, he had one hit, uh, but batting under 100 to start the year. Again, it's three games in. But you do, I do wonder if, you know, he continues to struggle, will we see Luke Voigt being the guy that plays first and then the DH goes to Jesse Winker still, or maybe you try someone else to DH, you know, on the right side, whether it's an Owen Miller or a Brasso, even maybe a Brian Anderson. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what the Brewers, you know, do with left-handers if Tellez continues to struggle. But again, it's one weekend. I'm not going to not gonna freak out. But if we're here next Monday and he's still kind of going through it, then, yeah, maybe we have to have a little bit of more of a conversation. So that's Golden Kegs. Uh, yeah, like I said, Brewers and Mets this afternoon. I do not know who the Mets are sending to the mound. Let's check that real quick for the fans. I know we have Scherzer on Tuesday. I'm going to be there for that. So that should be interesting. Last time they faced Scherzer, it did not go well. Oh, Carlos Carrasco. Uh, on the mound against Freddie Peralta. Brewers are minus 120 uh, with the over-under set at eight. So uh, for those who are gamblers, uh, that's what that's what it looks like. All right, let's move on to Aaron Rodgers before we talk a little bit about opening day. We'll head back to talking baseball here in a second, but did want to mention something very interesting about Aaron Rodgers. So obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Jets, Packers, we're still at a standstill. Uh, nothing's really changed too much. Uh, Rich Kermini, who's been on the Jets beat for a long time. Uh, I don't know how long, but he's been there for a while. He's, a, you know, one of those old big J's. Wrote a big article today outlining, you know, where, where everything sits. And I feel like either a Jets beat writer or a Packers beat writer could do that every Sunday. Could have a Sunday column basically being like, here's where we are. And he basically outlined it that their Packers had brought up the Joe Montana deal uh, that sent Joe Montana from San Francisco to Kansas City. And if, for those who forgot, Joe Montana was MVP in 1990. He then missed, you know, basically two years, 91 and 92. And Steve Young was able to step to prominence. Uh, the 49ers no longer needed Joe Montana's services and moved on and traded him to Kansas City. And the package there was a third-round pick and a player, Dave Whitmore, uh, who I don't think any of us would know. Um, I certainly don't. Um, and, well, I think the following year, there was also another deal. Oh, yeah, it was a first from Kansas City. So it was a third, David Whitmore, and from Kansas City. And remember, this is in the early 90s when trades really didn't exactly happen, Right. And basically, Kermini points out that both sides are concerned about compensation on the back end. And if we go back to the Montana part of it, 
Montana played two years for Kansas City, and then he retired, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he might have done one. No, I think he did two. And then it was it. And Montana was done. Kansas City was good his second year. Uh, had got all the way to the divisional round. They were 13-3. I think they might have had home field advantage that year. Then they inexplicably lost. No, they did go to 95. Excuse me. Montana played until 95 because they got – they were 13-3. and three. We're, eight, we're playing the Colts. Jim Harbaugh led Colts, and they lose to the Colts at home uh, on field goals. Uh, they, I think it was like 10-7 to seven or something like that. They were awful in their game. And the Colts end up then moving on to the championship game, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh ended up hosting the 95 AFC championship game, and Montana would have faced the Cowboys, which would have been something. Uh, but it, it didn't happen. It uh, wasn't meant to be. Uh, Kansas City at that point was known for being a choke artist team. Uh, and that that did not uh, not hold up after the Patrick Mahomes, you know, run through. And now they, they have two Super Bowls. So a lot can change uh, in, a, in a short manner of time. But anyways, the issue right now is what comes after, right? I think the Jets and Packers can agree on in principle what, 2013, 2023 looks like it. the second time I've done that uh, recently. But, and, and I think it's something along the lines of a two second rounders, maybe Corey Davis, and that's that's what you have for 2022, 2023, excuse me. And then 2024 is where you get it. And the Packers obviously want more. If the Jets are, you know, Rodgers is going to stay there and, they, and Rodgers as well, the Packers want to be compensated. But the, but the Jets are saying this guy is a fucking wild card. We don't fucking know exactly what Aaron Rodgers will do. We 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 don't know if he's going to be here for a year, or if he's going to be here for two years, or if he's going to be here for three years. So I I do think the idea of you know hey, the contract the how the contract works is you incentivize us for twenty twenty four as long as he plays. He doesn't play, it gets kicked back to the year after, and that's how we'll do it. And and that's it going forward. And you could also put a condition if you win the Super Bowl, like it's a, you know, no matter what Rodgers does, we still get a first round pick. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. I don't think so. Uh, but maybe there's an escalator to it. I I feel like there is a way to figure this out, right? And it it comes through who is going to blink first. Is it going to be the Jets or is it going to be the Packers? And do the Packers really feel like they need these picks to be a better team for the 2023 season? If that's the case, then yeah, you got to make a deal before before the draft. And Andrew Brand always says deadlines for actions. And I, I think we'll get as we get closer and closer in April. And I realized just now that I didn't do the April importance rankings. We'll do that for tomorrow's show. We are going to see more news and things are going to start humming along, I will be shocked there isn't a deal by the NFL draft. I would really be surprised. I think that would be a failure on both sides. I think that would be a failure on the Jets side. I think it would be a failure on the Packers. And it really limits what the Packers need to plan for, right? I think they're planning for Jordan Love, but they don't have as much draft capital. They can't do as many things. They can't move around in the draft. They can't, you know, make <laughs> some of the potential picks that they want. So we'll just sort of have to see how it all breaks down. But, yeah, it's very interesting. 
that Joe Montana was brought up in these conversations, that Aaron Rodgers, you know, could potentially kind of have that that Joe Montana path. And it's not more the Favre path, which Favre was more one and done and more flighty, honestly, than what Rodgers is. I don't think Rodgers is as flighty as Brett Favre. And Brett Favre had already retired and tried to come back. And then the Packers signed up to the Jets because they didn't want to sign up to Tampa Bay. So have to see what happens here. Again, it's, you know, every day you could probably talk about it in these sort of same platitudes, got to get it done, draft, the whole thing. But it's interesting to see another element of this saying, is this like Joe Montana back in the 90s, which is a long time ago. A lot has changed, but sometimes you got to go back to kind of understand what you need to do to go forward. So we'll, we'll see, see what happens. And uh, definitely it's not the end of as the Rodgers turns. All right, last thing, just very quick, because I have to get going. I want to give my annual take. Bar shuttles are so much better than tailgating. Now, I know a lot of you will tailgate today. We did the sausage rankings on Friday. I hope you have some Polishes with you. But bar shuttles are just so much better. I, I can lay out case after case of why it's better. And number one, you don't have to worry about driving, right? There's no one that has to be the responsible one that is going to cart everybody home. Now you can be like, all right, if you drive, you have a couple beers, you know, outside the parking lot, and then you don't drink during the game and you're fine to drive home. Sure, I understand. But you also have to deal with traffic. You also have to deal with getting out of the stadium. You have to, you know, someone has to be sober. And, you know, maybe someone's okay with that. And if someone's okay with that, fine. But if everyone wants to get ripped up, do the bar show. There are bar shows everywhere, too. That's the other thing. You don't, you can easily, some of them you can walk to uh, if you live close. Like, that's one thing that I will desperately miss about being on the lower side is I could walk to Brady, catch the jack shuttle, and then I'd go. And I'd get, drive back home, and I'd just walk home. And then that'd be it. And it was pretty seamless. Now, living in, in Brookfield, I can still kind of do that. Like I can Uber to uh, Jack Jackson's uh, Blue Ribbon Pub, which is not far from me. Um, I could also park my car there if I was just going, you know, without, you know, the booze or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I even will do shuttles, you know, right outside the stadium to avoid paying for parking. Tailgating also, it's just, it's such a production. Like I get it for opening day. It's a celebration. You should. But the amount of stuff you have to bring, you got to make sure you have a grill. You got to make sure there's charcoal in there, grill. You got to make sure you have a lighter. You got to have, you know, different sausages. You have to, you have to do, you know, chips, drinks, all the whole thing. You got to pack beer and everything else. Now, if you do sort of more of a run down tailgate, I can get behind that. If you know, like you're not going to be boozing too much, but just kind of want to enjoy the nice weather. Now it's going to be a 58. It's going to be okay to, today. But if it's like another day where it's really nice outside and you grab like subs from Jimmy John's or Cousins or Superbia and you just go and hang out and you have a few beers and you're just shooting the shit with your buds, I'm okay with that from a tailgate perspective. That to me is a fine alternative, but I still love the shuttle idea because yeah, you're able to you know go to the brewery game, you're able to shuttle in, you're also able to start your night up, right? Um, that's again, another thing I will miss about being out here is 
the shuttle down on Saturday was perfect, right? You go to the gate, you take the jack shuttle, right? And then you take the jack shuttle home, and you'd be right on Brady on Saturday night. You'd be like, okay, this is perfect. And I, I just think shuttles outweigh, you know, the, the convenience of the shuttle is better than tailgate experience usually. Every now and again, you'll get a good tailgate. And maybe you do one of those all-inclusive tailgates like that bars such as Jack's, Broad House, a um, couple others do. And maybe and you take advantage of that where it's like, okay, not you get both. That's the most worlds. You get the shuttle, but you also get the tailgate experience. That's pretty good. And it's usually for uh, the part price that I think it would cost you to tailgate. So, and you get some beer paid for too. It's good. And so, yeah, I, I think there are ways around it, but I'm always going to be a shuttle guy over a tailgate guy. Maybe when I get older and I'm not, you know, looking to be ripped up every time I, I, I go to a brewery game. And now granted also too, like Tuesday, Monday through Thursday, well, Monday through Wednesday for sure. You're not not boozing pretty hard at a brewery game. Thursday night, maybe you'll get after it, right? Because then you're just like, ah, I just have Friday, Friday work, right? Uh, but in the weekends for sure. But yeah, if you're getting just absolutely hammered on a Tuesday, that's not great. It's not, it's not what you want. Uh, if you're a service industry person, for sure. Go ahead. See your weekend. Yeah, man, do that. But if you're not a, not a service industry worker, it's probably probably a bad sign. Or or a college kid. Uh, college kids acceptable. Service industry workers acceptable. Other than that, no, no, sir. <coughs> All right. That does it. Have a good opening day. Stay safe. Don't do anything dumb. Don't get arrested. Um, and... Back tomorrow, we'll do April Importance Rankings. We'll recap the National Championship, and we'll see where Marquette finds himself on the not-too-early top 25 lists. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that, too. And who knows what else? Uh, I do also, the Bucks CBA stuff is really interesting. I need to do far more research on it. Um, I, I will probably hear about it a little bit on the podcast today and, and maybe I can report back and we can talk a little bit more about how it impacts the bumps. But for sure, that's all on deck. So yeah, podcast tomorrow. Uh, no podcast probably Wednesday. I know the Bucks and Brewers both play on Tuesday night, but I'm going to Brewer game. Uh, usually those nights are a little hairy, so I, I will probably pass on that. Mitch and I either will do Thursday uh, after the Bucks game against the Bulls or we'll do Friday. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow and see you for the rest of the week. Thanks for all the support. We appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Bye.